Big Gold Belt Wrestling Podcast. We're back with another special edition of the Big Gold Belt Podcast. If storylines have not made sense from WrestleMania to it's, now. It's been the, the best told story leading into this on WWE. This, this pay-per-view, it feels big, it feels important, but... Ultimately, it's exciting. The biggest thing that, that stood out for me when I seen it, I was like, okay, this has to be a joke. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like... <laughs> and happy Thursday, everyone. This is the Big O Belt Wrestling Podcast. I'm here. This is Two Chains here, and I'm here along with Jamal the Giant Crab and Mr. Silly Sullis making his return. Hello, fellas. How's it going? All right. Going good. Glad to be back after a little hiatus. Ooh, work. Good, good. Um, Dr. M should be joining us uh, at some point. Um, a little bit of technical difficulties both on everybody in today. So uh, that's why we're a little bit of a 20-minute delay. So anywho, um, so a lot of talk about this week um, because there's so much rumors, news, just internet trolling. There's just so much random stuff to this debate and talk about and i don't even know where to start i mean obviously i got the topics in front of me what we're going to go over but it is really just um a lot to talk about but before we get started um it's been a really i will say there's been a lot of um i, I wouldn't say blockbusters but there's been a lot of uh movies that that's just been released that a lot of people that's 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 engaging a lot of people's interest so um, I'm going to pass it over to Jamal just to give us the what we need to see um, and a little bit of a background of, w- of what's been uh, released. So, Jamal. Um, well, the long and short of it is we're in that time of the year where it's not Oscar bait season yet. And the summer uh, movie blockbusters have uh, kind, of, kind of winded down. So if you need to head out to the movies this weekend to see something, uh, I would say... Um, uh, the Foreigner with Jackie Chan and Pierce Brosnan was a big ball of okay. Um, basically, it's like Taken, just with Jackie Chan. Uh, you know, he's pretty—he's very good actually, and he's the, the best part of the movie. Um, but it just there are other some parts that aren't as great that it kind of averages out to a solid B plus. Um, the Mountain Between Us with Kate Winslet and Idris Elba. Basically, they uh, get stranded in a plane crash on the side of a mountain. Meh, uh, it was it was okay, uh, not great. Definitely worth a matinee. I didn't like the first Kingsman. Um, it was just too goofy for me. The second one doubles down on that goofiness. So if you really like the first one, you're more than likely like the second one because it gives you everything from the first one and more. Um, uh, Flatliners. If you like the original one, just watch that again because you don't need to see the remake. That was uh, pretty terrible. Um, Battle of the Sexes with Emma Stone and Steve Carell was pretty good about the uh, tennis match from the 70s. That's probably like the first uh, legit Oscar-worthy movie from uh, from the U.S. And Marshall with um, Chadwick Boseman um, playing and Josh Gad playing Thurs- uh, Boseman plays Thurgood Marshall. And it's about a particular case, not necessarily his entire life and not necessarily um, his Supreme Court, anything like that. But I would say... Um, if you haven't, if you don't know enough about Thurgood Marshall, this isn't the movie that's going to explain everything about him. It's just firm play. But is he just a, is he just a designated de- designated bio picker <laughs> of all um, African American movies? Yeah. Well, that's actually a different discussion. 
um, you know, for for a different time. But yeah, there is some. Um, it, it's black folks in Hollywood, but that's a different discussion there. Right, but he does particularly well as Thurgood Marshall. Josh Gad as kind of does his trademark Weasley. I don't know anything about anything, but I want to make it right because of you know story reasons. Um, that it's pretty good. Um, not the movie I thought I was going to see. Like the story that I thought I was going to get, but still turned out okay, and it was very different than what I thought it was going to be. So, um, I'm very, very surprised at how well it turned out. So let me ask you this: Chad with Bozeman as Thurgood Marshall, Jackie Robinson, or James Brown. Where does he rank up how he plays? Not the movie, but how he plays each character. Where would you rank those three? Um, I I would go with. Uh, and and I'm biased because you know growing up in Maryland, I know a lot about Thurgood Marshall. He, they kind of beat you over the head with it in, in school Thurgood because Marshall. he's from Baltimore. Yeah, yeah. this uh, is so true. Right, right. <laughs> so <laughs> good thing. Right. but he's from Maryland, so yeah, you, you kind of know the guy already. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I would say that first, Jackie Robinson second, and uh, James Brown third. But that's also probably wow. because that's in the order that I know them. I'm not a James okay. Brown fan. Uh, okay. I am a big baseball fan, so I do have a better relationship with Jackie Robinson as a fan. Yeah. Uh, so I really can't speak on James Brown per se. Yeah. So wait, and, and and just another little follow-up question with that: Do you think he deserved to be in these roles? Because those are three really pivotal people in their era, in their era, and their genre. Well, that's the problem. And again, that's a different um, you know conversation to have because. Uh, deserves is relevant. I mean, it, it doesn't. Who deserves what? You know, that's that's kind of a non-starter. I would say that if given the opportunity to do something, does he do that well? And I think generally he does, uh, which is why he's going to be a bigger deal in the Black Panther movie next year. Um, but if not him, who? And of course, that leads to the bigger risk. You put an unknown to play this big guy. Um, to play, you know, this big character, will that make money? Will that, you know, be a sure, surefire hit? You know, would you rather play it safe than take a risk? Um, and that's a different, uh, you know, conversation to have about making a movie. So, does he do well? Generally, I would think so. Is it like the greatest thing ever? Well, no. Um, but again, that depends on what you're also what you're looking for in the movie. If you're looking for a book report in two hours on Thurgood Marshall, that's not this movie. So <laughs> it's a, um, uh, it's still good. It's still worth seeing, especially if you know nothing. But, you know, it, it's take Thurgood Marshall out of it. It's a really, it's a pretty good courtroom drama. Okay. Well, good shout out hear. to Nate Ray going back to his early days. <laughs> <laughs> um, Thanks, thanks, thanks. Uh, be sure, um, I'm sorry, because I'm not going to plug this correctly, but be sure to, uh, definitely check out more of his in-depth reviews on his website, which is MoversShakersUnlimited.com. That's right. Get that. Um, he works on his reviews simultaneously while he podcasts because he is the freaking man. So, um, yeah, be sure to uh, step over to his website to see him, and uh, you'll 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 see him be reposted on our Facebook and on our Twitter page. So, um, you you can't go wrong getting a really unbiased review. And that's you know that's a that's immediately how we became friends because um, there's a lot of yes men 
in the review world. Some of the biggest names and critics out there were just fanboy out on movies, and you go see it, and it's just not that. Jamal gives you the most unbiased, Absolutely. realistic reviews you can have. And, you know, you're entitled definitely to go in there and, and get your own opinion, but it's definitely good to know that you got a trusted source here at the Big Old Belt Wrestling Podcast for movies in Jamal. So I uh, appreciate you uh, giving us the quick 10-minute uh, rundown on what to see this week. Um... Dr. Emmons here. What's up, man? Uh, not too much. How are you guys doing? Good, good. Thanks for joining us. Everybody's dealing with technical difficulties. Seems to be a common thing here, but you know, it's technology. It's man-made, so it's it's, it's bound to uh, cause issues. Or Mother Nature, because, you know, we have to blame uh, something on them as well, too. So. Yep. But, but anywho, uh, wrestling. Topics all over the place. Look, I do have, again what we're going to talk about in front of me, but I am feeling very froggy, very froggy. I'm going to just do something a little different. Me and Jamal always talk outside of the podcast about stuff. And I mean, our five minute conversation turned to 30 minutes before you know it. So, um, so we already got an idea of what we want to go at here, but I'm going to take it over to Mr. Hiatus himself, silly sellers. And I would just be curious to know what is it on your discussion on your mind for discussion for tonight? Well, two things is on my mind, and, and once again, you and Krabby already probably talked about this before, but number one, I love the fact that even though it still needs to be fully executed... Speak up. Sammy's, oh, can you hear me? Can you hear me? You sound a little bit distorted. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Let me, let me get out of my la-la land. Or you're far away from the mic or something. All right, hold on. Let me let me try to make some... Is that Somalian on? internet are you on? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's probably Somalian again. Hold on one second. Okay, wow. hi. Yeah, there you go. Let's, let's hear it now. There we go. All right. So my apologies. So uh, two things, even though it's fully executed yet, I really loved how Sami Zayn turned heel um, from the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. And I think these are the things that WWE needs to do more often and wrestling needs to do more often. Do not keep stale characters. If something's not working, make a shift. And I think this shift is going to be developed into something very well. Number two, which is my most important one, actually, <laughs> The Miz continues <laughs> to show why he is a first ballot Hall of Famer. And literally, if it wasn't for The Miz, I probably wouldn't even watch Raw right now because The Miz is the best. He's the most entertaining thing on Raw, and he's not even your world champion. And that means a lot, um, especially that he can carry any feud and makes you want to watch it. Guys, please just join in on let's let's tackle this. Just join in <laughs> to say what you got to say at any time. I'm just going to start off by saying that there is no mistaking on why other superstars compliment the Miz and his hard work. No matter if it's even dissing him or whatever, he's being brought up for a reason. And he's been very relevant and he's continued to elevate his character. And I think that, you know, there's no mistaking why, you know, he may not have defended his intercontinental uh, championship on a pay-per-view, why he's automatically put into the feud with the Shield. And I think that... um. Being, being the fact that he was chosen for this um, first uh, reunion uh, feud with them, this says yep. a lot to his character. And um, I can't argue. We've been saying it for a long time. The Miz is one of the best superstars in WWE and the most interesting uh, wrestlers in the company. Yeah, come to the bright side, my son. Thank you. Thank you. I don't think nobody was arguing that. Jamal, oh, you're you know I absolutely hate statements like that? I mean, like, honestly, this is, I absolutely uh, unequivocally hate statements like that because, and it, this is not to discredit The Miz. I think The Miz is decent. But 
when you say that The Miz is the best and the only thing worth watching on Raw, what are you basing that on? That's not a fact that you can throw out. That's, I mean, unless you have ratings that say that The Miz is on, numbers go up. You can't just throw it out there and it says that The Miz is money because I said so. That's kind of BS. Uh, secondly, I don't watch Raw. I've, I've actually completely dropped off. I haven't watched it in a, more than a few weeks. Um, I don't really know what's going on. I don't really have a reason to care. And it's not because of any one particular person, except Roman Reigns. Um, it's the sum of it all. It's not interesting to me anymore. Um, something dramatic would have to happen for me to want to watch Raw again. Now, over his career, I absolutely agree that The Miz is 100% a first ballot Hall of Famer. But so is Drew Carey. Uh, how relevant is the WWE Hall of Fame in the first place? And is that something that we can legitimately call um, a, like an actual foundation of, of greatness? Now, now, The Miz is a Grand Slam champion, and he's in very exclusive company with that. Uh, he's a multi-time you know, mini championship, um, and he's home, WWE homegrown. Um, really didn't go anywhere else yep. but OVW and NXT and or whatever it was called back then, and then up to the main roster. So, yeah, they drafted him. He became a thing, and he's been in the game, what, 12, 14 years now? Something ridiculous like that? Yep. So, um, a big discussion about this at work during lunch, about how you actually accurately measure greatness. Um, personally, and this is a, you know, this is not going to lead to a side note. Great, greatness in the scale of what, like life or wrestling? Uh, in any one particular uh, sport. Okay. I, so okay. If you I gotta, say, I gotta uh, just interject real quick. When it comes to the word greatness in wrestling, that is a cliche because everything is great or equals awesome. So there is really nothing to base greatness, it on, on in wrestling, if you ask me. But, but greatness is relative anyway. Uh, and the reason why I say that is because uh, the argument is, and it's a very popular one, that Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time. I Which do I not agree, agree with that. Okay, fair enough. But I do not agree with that. But then now it comes to the question of how do you accurately measure greatness? Well, I know that you like the Miz for yes. reasons. Yes. I know why I think that he is a solid B-plus player for <laughs> reasons. Um, and that's not to denigrate him, but I just think that that's where he falls on my list. Okay, but when you say that... Oh, no, no, I mean it, but let me ask you this. So based on that fact check, and just in your opinion, I'm not trying to say, you know, anybody, just your opinion. Sure. What, what brings the facts that measures greatness? Is it rating time, as you mentioned, during a certain hour that he's on TV compared when he's not on TV? Is it his, uh, his sales from, from his T-shirts, of merchandise? Is it the sales from when he headlines WrestleMania versus Anybody else is WrestleMania. What What is your opinion of well, what makes that greatness? That's something that you can't measure in the moment. Uh, I can't call any one wrestler great today. I have to look at his body of work over the next period of time. Okay. So because Leo Rush, for example, had a very interesting match that got the crowd super hyped for NXT. Yeah. I saw the um, uh, him and, and Patrick Clark. I saw the, um, uh, the highlights on YouTube. Crowd was super hyped. And the YouTube comments were, oh, my God, this dude's amazing. I've never seen anything like him. He's already he, – he's a nine-time champion in the making. Just give him the belt already. Yep. 
well, okay, good points, but how do you how do you measure that? Like, what are you basing that on? That one thirty seconds that you saw in the ring, yeah. one five minute match. You know, you have to wait. A, we have to give him a little bit, of and that's the problem with Roman Reigns, where he's not universally accepted. He doesn't have the resume yet. So in five years, or you know, if he retires, you know, before then, hopefully not. You know, I don't want to wish him injured, but then we have to look back at what your fondest moments are. Yeah, and I, I totally looking looking into it in that perspective. I think it, I think greatness is measured, sort of say, in legacy. Uh, it's definitely you, you definitely can have great moments, and um, you know, within the moments, but. It, it really is about the impact that she's left. I mean, this is why, like, you know, we can always loop back to that Sasha versus um, versus uh, Bailey at NXT match was great because we still talk about this match that happened two years ago. Yeah. Um, but there's been other it's matches I, I've, I've talked about, like um, Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn at Battleground. It was in D.C., so I was there. Yeah. So, you know, I remember particularly because I was there. It was great, but I guarantee if you ask somebody, hey, what was your top three matches in the last two years? People wouldn't even think of that. They'll John Cena, AJ Styles. Why? Because it's John Cena and because it's AJ Styles. Big names that you know you just automatically go to. And I'm sure we'll hear somebody say like Roman Reigns and The Undertaker or something like that. So, but yeah, you, you have a great point. I mean, the, the word is so usually used that um, it's really overused nowadays. Yeah, it is. But to to Seller's point, though, I mean, The Miz is great because um, I I look at somebody who is WWE um, homegrown and being able to successfully make it in uh, 13 years, but not being the face of the company and being able to survive and still be relevant over and over. A Grand Slam champion, as you said. I mean, it's a legacy in the making that whenever he hangs his boots up at the end of the day, you will say that The Miz is absolutely a Hall of Famer, had a great career. And the contrary to Daniel Bryan, where people will easily say, like, oh, you know, he's easily a Hall of Famer. But did he have his greatest career as the, as, uh, the Miz? Did he have, I mean, he had his WrestleMania defining moment that everybody will forget, but beyond that, are there any other really particular moments that you go back to to say, like, yeah, that was pretty okay. good, you know? Let, let, me, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. And, and all three of you guys, let me ask you this. Uh, there's one spot left in the WWE Hall of Fame for the class of 2019. Jericho, Randy Orton, and The Miz. One of them will get that spot. Who Who is that one? Chris Jericho. All 2019? Jericho. Yeah. yeah, Jericho. 2019. Yes. Well, I mean, I said 2019 because it can't be this year. <laughs> and it's probably not next year. Yeah. So let's give him a chance to retire first. So 2019. Right. And it's all three Jericho. Of Jericho, Randy Orton, and, and the Mitz. Jericho, Jericho. and headlining it. Yes. Right, right. And and I, I would agree with that also, though, even though Orton has more championships. Mm -hmm. And the Miz is a Grand Slam champion um, at least one time. Jericho twice, I believe. Um, mm -hmm. I would agree with Jericho 100%, but that's the part of the problem. Um. People would, there's some people that only know Jericho for the list. There's some people that only know Jericho for <laughs> the WCW it? stuff, like me. Yeah. Right. Seriously. I know, that's crazy. Some that's people crazy don't about remember. That. But yeah, I, I feel you. I definitely feel you. Yeah. Right. So some people may not know Randy Orton from Evolution. 
Um, You're right. You know, and stuff the like that. Legend so he ran a note. The legend killer. Yeah. Uh, at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, but now, but that's that's kind of what my point is. It's like, how do we actually measure this? Yeah. Because if you have one of those three, and all of them are going to get in, Absolutely. but if they can't, if they have to get in through the door in 2019, and we all agree that it should be probably Jericho, even though the Miz is your boy. Realistically, it should be Jericho. Then what is it about that one thing that pushes Jericho to the top and everybody else? I, I think that. Not. I think I, I think that Chris Jericho did um, something else remarkable, where he was able to transition from another company to be just as successful in another promotion and be a top guy. Uh, he's the first. I'm about to call it Universal Championship. He was the first. Uh, it was the unified it? title. Unified title, yeah. yeah. Uh, Grand Slam, obviously, in both promotions. A uh, long, healthy career. Um, and 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 had really a lot of highlight moments. And the biggest thing that I think that Jericho gets it is just because of the fact of um, he just banked on himself. I'm, I'm, it's, it's just a sense of, uh, it's just a sense of, uh, I don't know. It's, it's just a sense of see, seeing a guy who could have easily just rolled the boat out in WCW, but he, you know, he, 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 he banked on himself. He, he took chances with fuse against Goldberg, which nobody would have put this up against considering that Goldberg was the man in WCW. Then he came over and feuded with the rock who was the man in, 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 in uh, WWF at the time. I mean, he, he, he did all he could to keep himself relevant and I think it paid off and it's just worth, you know, uh, noting and rewarding the guy for. And he's oh, also been very yeah. successful outside the ring too. Um, yeah, with Fozzie. With Fozzie, he's written what, two, three books too that have, done very well yeah um, he has the podcast that um is i think among the more popular mm -hmm. wrestling podcasts and so um and wasn't he like a game show host at one time at he one was point? That i don't think that went all that well but at least he tried it <laughs> <Battle> um, <boss. laughs> yeah. so i mean yeah. both in and out of the ring uh, he's just built this uh, amazing legacy that certainly puts him over the uh at least right now over the people that jamal brought up and i will say this too he's a he is a first generation wrestler wrestler in his family which means that he did not have it he didn't um you know he didn't have any pedigree to get himself over or relevant at any point he just he just who he who he was i just I genuinely remember hating this guy against Rey Mysterio and, and Hooventude in WCW to hmm. automatically like him too. Him having one of the most, you know, it's a very common finisher, but yet it was just the most distinct that you knew was just different, even though it just looked slightly the same. You know, it's, it's a lot about the guy I can say that I like, but it's a good question. Um, but you know, uh, Marcus, in your in your turn here too. Uh, you know, what what is on your of to talk about for this week before we go down this list well uh to pick off to pick up um on something jamal mentioned i actually had a chance to sit down and watch nxt last night and i think the hype is definitely well deserved and real for leo rush um, and velveteen dream i thought they put on a good match that i wish was longer and uh, I, I hope that somewhere down the line, WWE actually does more with those two, because I think that could be a fantastic feud. Um, I mean, they both just, I think, delivered. So I'm excited that they're both in NXT and getting some attention now, especially uh, 
Patrick Clark after uh, his dubious appearance on uh, Tough Enough. I'm, I'm glad he's finally getting the recognition he deserves. The other thing I would wanted to mention was that uh, AJ Styles is my is one of my MVPs of the last, I guess, seven days or so. Just uh, watching back at Hell in a Cell, I don't know if anyone else noticed, but he took some pretty intense bumps in that match. And mm -hmm. I think it, it is very, I think we sometimes forget that he is what, 40, 41? So he's not, he's not young. Right. And he is, cool. he is outworking everyone and he outworked everyone in that match. And then on SmackDown against Baron Corbin again, um, I mean, he took some, again, some pretty intense bumps. And I, I, I start to wonder how, how long he can keep doing this. <laughs> Obviously, he's an amazing athlete that he is on the road every week and showing up on TV every week and wrestling these high-quality matches. But there were a couple times both on SmackDown and at Hell in a Cell where I was just – I was legit concerned that uh, he's not going to be doing this too much longer if he's taking bumps like this. Yeah. Shout out to the Maryland boys, Patrick Clark and Leo Rush, first off. And uh, AJ Styles is one of those type of people who even at the WWE level and um, top tier that his heart is obviously still in it. That's why he does the full-time schedule because he still feels like he has a lot to prove. And I mean, you know, based on what are you in the business for, I don't think he's happy until he's back on top of the plateau again. So, you know, it shows in the work. Uh, Jamal. And your turn, sir, for what is the, the discussion of the topic we're going to dive into right now? Um, it, it's it's a personal uh, decision uh, that really has doesn't affect anyone else. Um, my biggest thing is this weekend. There is Evolve 94, which will be at LaBoom in uh, Queens, New York. But about 15 miles away in uh, Hoboken, New Jersey, that's 10 miles is um, Capital Wrestling. <laughs> so I'm torn as to which one I go to. Both that cost about the same, uh, 20-ish dollars. Um, both start at the same time, one at 7, one at 7.30. So what do I do? The main event is um, Keith Lee versus uh, Matt Riddle in a last man standing match uh, for Evolve, which is going to be nuts. And Capital Wrestling has, you know, Bo Crockett. Um, but it's uh, their main event, I think, is Logan Easton LaRoe, champion of the 1%, represent, um, versus Sunny Kiss. And I have not seen Sunny Kiss live, and that's something I definitely want to do while I can. So I really don't know, uh, or at least I didn't know until this morning, where I was going to go. So, I, you know, I think... Um, I'll just have to wait and, and see tonight which one I actually decide to do. Which one of them are you going to eat better at? Um, honestly, that's also a toss-up because if you've been to the boom, the uh, chicken quesadillas are phenomenal. So it's a club, but they have like a little um, a restaurant part also. So I will get the loaded nachos also. That's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> Not him. So you definitely are going to eat well of both of them. But then Capital Wrestling got like baby back ribs and, and pork pork sliders and um, just just shook tomfoolery in the <laughs> kitchen. Um, as long as well as you know, two of um, you know no pro talent that I would definitely you know travel to see. So don't know, really don't know what I'm going to do. 
And my topic before we go about the obviously the big, big popular topics of the week is something I want to, I you know, I'm curious because I've never been and I know Jamal has. He's emphasized enough of how great it is. And I'm just curious to see what his reactions is on this and anybody else who's may experience this as well. Definitely chime in. But I saw a, t- um, a headline that says Lucha Underground to make U.S. history. And I was like, what? Like, what could they be possibly doing that, you know, that hasn't been done in wrestling? Well, it turns out that the finale of their um, season four, um, that they will be shooting this and releasing this in a 4DX movie theater. Is that correct? Uh, I did not like hear that. Okay. I, I, got, I got it up in front of me. So let me just skim over it real quick again. But um, it says Lucha Underground features nonstop high-flying, hard-hitting action, makes it ideal programming to showcase the state-of-the-art 4DX technology. Remark, El Ray Network President and GM Daniel Tibbetts, we pride ourselves in getting viewers close to the action possible, and now they can actually feel as, as if they're in the ring. So this is happening. Um, definitely. So, so first off, for people who's never been to a 40X theater, this, I, I, it's, it's, it's notes here about how, how it is. But Jamal, if you can give us a little bit of insight about 40Xs and... Um, and where are Fort is within the East Coast area for the viewers? Because there's so, none in Maryland. Um, uh, so four four D, and three D is the depth perception. Uh, the fourth dimension would be like you know smell and touch. So, um, if you've ever been to a movie theater with D box, uh, D box has like the vibrating seats. They move and shake yeah. around and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, 40X takes that a step further, and they add uh, lighting effects in the theater. They add uh, smells for um, in the theater for things. So if you were watching, say, The Jungle Book, it's going to smell like wet grass in the theater. Um, you're going to feel a little mist on your on the back of your neck because of the um, you know uh, misters that they have in the theater to simulate rain or humidity or something like that. Um, no, you won't freeze if you're watching a movie set in Antarctica. But it's <laughs> going to be a little. But the wind's going to be blowing a lot in in the theater for different things. So it's a hell of an experience. It does also depend on the movie that you want to see. Um, yes, you may get nauseous if you watch Spider Man in 4DX um, because of all the flying around the city and stuff like that. But it definitely adds something else to it. Uh, I saw. Um, what did I see? John Wick in 4DX? And by the way, this is going um, to be happening at the Regal LA, LA, LA Live Stadium, 14 on October 17. So is that the only place that they're screening it? <coughs> Excuse me. Um, yes, it will be a private event for the media and fans for the 4DX okay. auditorium. Okay, so, so here's the deal, though. Um, the, the 4DX was made up by the Koreans, um, CJ Entertainment, I believe. Uh, big media company in South Korea, and they have just ridiculous movie theaters over there, including like the um, the bedroom theater where you can let, literally lie in a full size bed um, in the theater, and um, you have the bar, the nightclub theaters, and stuff like that. It's stupid ridiculous. Um, 4DX, they have them in New York. They have two in New York City, uh, one in Toronto at uh, Yonge Square, I believe um, Orlando. I want to say Downtown Disney, if not them, Universal, one of the two. Um, and then, of course, there's two in L.A. Um, and then there's one uh, outside of Chicago. 
in um, uh, hell, Gurney, Illinois, north of uh, Chicago, and, the, and there's a bunch in Mexico. So if you're in Southern California, there's like three in Tijuana, um, which is kind of weird. Not every movie is in 4DX, like a lot of the bigger ones are because they have to be calibrated for the motion sensors. But um, that's going to be nuts, um, Lucha Underground, because it's, it's going to feel like you're there. Um, you're going to feel like the bumps that they take in vibrating your seat and the smell, hopefully, not that much of a smell of sweaty wrestlers. That might mm -hmm. be a problem. But yeah, 4D is nuts. It's hella expensive. Like It's like 40 bucks in New York. Dale. <laughs> uh, no, no, I'm sorry. It's it's 30 bucks in New York. And there is no differentiation in price. So mm. you get what you pay for, but you say so, so you better make damn sure that that movie's good. So question, <laughs> question. Do you guys y'all spend thirty dollars to see the finale of Lucha Underground in 4DX? I mean, in that type of experience, I think I would. I mean, it's like you paying the amount for for a seat in the, the wrestling arena. So you're just doing the same thing, but just getting like a little effect, like you're in a roller coaster ride and you're in there for three hours. YOLO. Two hours. So, I mean, yeah, I, I would do it. I would do that for the experience of seeing it with all these other fans and stuff like that. Yep. That's yep. not something that you can get at home and that's not something that Twitter can accurately translate. Yep. Um, and I think that's why in, um, in Dubai, for example, they show WWE pay-per-views in the mall. Uh, you can go to Mall of the Emirates at the theater there and watch WrestleMania at four in the morning with a bunch of other wrestling fans live Dope. in Dubai. That's cool. So, I know that. Okay, so uh, when, when are we planning that trip? <laughs> <laughs> well, Good call, Doctor. I mean, you know, I got a guy at Emirates. You know, we can we can make some moves. We can talk about hey, that over here. Hey, that's that's pretty. That's pretty. That's a that's a cool idea. And that that's something that will make me want to go to Dubai because you know that's just hasn't been on scope or something I want to do. But that's pretty cool. Anywho, 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 to transition into the big bulky topics of the week. So if you've been under a rock or, you know, just haven't been watching programming or, you know, just whatever. Enzo More, Cruiserweight champion, blah, blah, blah. Nobody, nobody seems to be fond of it. Corey Gray obviously doesn't like it. And a lot of other people seem to be roughed up about it. I mean, the storyline is that it roughed the whole Cruiserweight division wrong and nobody's pretty pleased of it. Everybody seems to be pretty against it. Enzo seems to um, cause heat for himself. And he had real heat in the locker room. So, I mean, I guess it was just organic for him to be able to have a mic to just, you know, talk trash. Yeah. However, it seemed to have rubbed, rubbed somebody really wrong. Really wrong to the point that they're pulling the Austin Aries. And the rumor has it that former Cruiserweight champion Neville has departed from WWE. Has not been mm. confirmed, but it's been heavily rumored. Um, from all your big guys and other other sources and stuff that he has. I mean, and, you know, if you watched uh, the Cruiserweight Championship match against Kalisto, who won, um, it was a Lumberjack match where all the Cruiserweights was out there. Even, um, I think, TJP, who just returned from injury, or somebody was, I forget. So everybody was out there and Neville wasn't. Yep. Um, turns out that Neville is not pleased about the direction and the booking of the cruiserweight division. Um, he obviously wasn't happy about that new shirt that he got uh, not too long ago. I wasn't so happy about is, that either. This is a free fire conversation. Everybody chime in. I mean, by all means, cut me off. You got something to say. But what is just your reactions? What more information do you have on this? Um, and how do you feel about maybe the most popular? Who I, I will give my MVP 
thus far of 2017 in WWE in Neville because he is was the best heel in WWE. And he went from not having anything to absolutely dominating the Cruiserweight division, being the most interesting man in it, having great matches with, with Austin Aries, to not happy and leaving. Here's my thing on it. I think the biggest disappointment we just need to look at as a whole is where the Cruiserweight Classic started, what it had a chance to be, and what it's ultimately become. And it's sad when you have a situation where everybody that's in that Cruiserweight Classic, nobody that was in the Cruiserweight Classic has now become a contender or a champion like that for the past year. And this is not against Neville. This is Nothing against anybody, but if you think about Neville, uh, if you think about Kalisto, if you think about Enzo Amore, all you're doing is putting them, uh, the little guys who haven't done nothing in WWE overshadowing the guys that worked hard to be in that Cruiserweight Classic. And I think it's just an overall disappointment of the whole booking of the situation, trying to make it part of Raw, trying to you know do something else with the, with the 205 Live. It's just been an overall disappointment of it. And I think that's where Neville's still in. Well, even I don't know any rumors or anything like that, but based on where he was being an NXT champion to being forgotten about to being or to losing rather his uh, cruiserweight championship to somebody like Enzo who doesn't deserve it. It's, it's like mind shattering. And this is why you think Christian left. This is why Cody left. This is why you have talented people who live, leave WWE because they're not being booked properly. I think that he has become the most interesting person in the cruiserweight division. I mean, me and Jamal have talked about this numerous times that, Let's not forget where Neville's from. I would have loved to see him have been the Cruiserweight Championship put up against Pete Dunne or something interesting like that. I mean, the dynamics for what Neville could be used in the company is out of this world. He is absolutely must-see TV in 205 Live. He may not have produced ratings, but he produced matches on Raw. It wasn't enough to make you watch 205 Live because that's not his fault by any means. But he gets in the ring. He's absolutely what you want in the heel. And they just, you know, they dropped the ball. But at the same time, too, they gave him a chance. They they did what we want more more to be. We want people that are of weight limit or uh, weight eligibility to to make an appearance in 205 Live, and he's done it. And because of one direction may not have totally pleased him, he's ready to leave. I mean, that's like a sore loser mentality. But I do not still agree with the Enzo booking, with how that worked out. By no means. He deserved better. He deserved better with the shirts. And he already knows that there's a ticket for him anywhere he goes. Anywhere. So, you know, it'd be interesting how this plays out. But um, WWE better make men's to this quick. Because if they lose Neville, Enzo cannot save that division at all. Well, if I can just jump in here. I I have to say there's so much about this that just kind of boggles my mind. One of them being that, um, you know, all the heat surrounding Enzo, I think a lot of it is justified. But I if I remember correctly, I was reading somewhere that uh, these past few weeks when somehow Enzo got his way into the main event, apparently uh, the ratings have been satisfactory or gone up or something. Vince has been happy. So I don't know what to do with that. But anyway. Um, you know, I'm also want to make sure at least I state that at no point, and I, I feel like most of us agree with this, if not all of us, will I ever blame the cruiserweights themselves for this? Uh, I see this on Twitter every week where people literally run down the cruiserweights 
um, as though their boss is not Vince McMahon, right? You do what Vince tells you to do. Yep. Right. And I was actually wa um, watching a clip from 205 Live, um, I don't know, this past week or the week before. And uh, it was the it was this past week, actually, the tag team match. That was the main event. And it was a series of like high flying spots in a row. Right. Not the greatest storytelling, but it was exciting, I guess. And whoever the commentator is on 205 Live now said, this is what the cruiserweight division is all about. It's not like a Michael Cole statement. <laughs> well, and it made me think that perhaps in Vince McMahon's eyes, the cruiserweight division is about getting in the ring and having, you know, quick matches where people jump off the top rope and do, you know, um, suicide dive and get a rise out of some fans and that's it. And again, you do what Vince McMahon tells you to do. Yep. Right. Um, but I totally get in some sense where Neville comes from. Right. Although I, I like uh, um, to change this sore loser comment because uh, Neville just had one of the greatest, you know, championship runs that I can think of in recent memory. I mean, he held the belt for half a year, if not more. Right. Had a lot of good, um, you know, solid high profile matches, especially with Austin Aries. Opened up WrestleMania with a good tone. Right. And, you know, I feel like a lot of wrestlers seem to forget the fact that a wrestling career ebbs and flows unless you're somebody like John Cena. Right. You're going to have those few months or a couple years where you yes, you are constantly pushed. Right. And then eventually you're going to be told to pass the ball to someone else. Right. And that can be for a number of reasons. Uh, does it make you feel good? It depends on who you are. But it seems like we'll have the ball taken from them. It's like, all right, I'm not being booked properly. I'm going to leave when I, I don't know. That just doesn't sit well with me. Uh, and the last point I, I'll just quickly make is that I think Neville has the right to be upset with the division as a whole, because if you're not the cruiserweight champion, there's literally nothing else for you to do. Uh, because for some reason, no one, no one feels that the cruiserweights can compete with anyone except the cruiserweights, right? When there are clearly people in that division, it's a stacked division, very talented division, that I think they could hold their own with, especially some of the mid-card guys on the main roster. But because the cruiserweight division is booked as a sideshow act, right, where everyone just wrestles everyone else in the division all the time, Again, if you don't have the belt, there's nothing else for you to do. So, I mean, it's unfortunately a no-win situation for the cruiserweights, but I will never blame the wrestlers themselves. Well, I do, to a, to a point. Uh, Here's the thing. Uh, you, you're at work. Uh, you've been given your instructions. You know what your job title is. And your boss comes and lays down the plan for you to get your, you know, do work. And the plan is just busted to hell from the beginning. You do the job because it's your job. And when the plan goes south, your boss says, what are you doing to me? Neville has kind of been like that, you know, that guy who's done it all right. But because the plan's been crap from the beginning, what are you going to do? Um, everybody, after, based on what the Cruiserweight Classic was and what we have now with 205 Live, it's not up to Neville to save the cruiserweight division. It's been it's all bad. It's been bad since uh, since day one, and that's the direction that they want to go in. The problem is, 
when you see things like the New Day and you see uh, guys like the Usos, you see guys like the Miz um, reinvent themselves time and time again, it is kind of frustrating when you go, well, why can't Neville just do that? Um, so which is it? Can they not grab the brass ring? Are they not allowed to grab the brass ring? Or like, how does that exactly work? Because we've seen where it can work, where you can do something else and reinvent yourself and get over if you have an original idea. But we also see where people are like, well, checks still got to be, rent still has got to be paid, and this is what the job is, good or bad. So I've heard rumors, and you know, take them for what they're worth, that it also stems from WWE cutting him out of the WrestleMania DVD and him not getting the royalties from that DVD because... Where was this match? Um, so that, and also the lack of um, equality when it comes to Enzo Amore, who was not a, a great locker room guy. Um, and he comes in, gets you know put at the top of the mountain for no reason. Well, that's a frustrating in and of itself because what does it say about those guys that have been there since day one, except Austin Aries, um, that, that has done what they've been asked to do and it's just been bad from the beginning. So it's a no-win situation, really. I mean, it's got to be, a, <laughs> you know, work work is work, no matter what where you where, where you work at or what you do. And I believe everybody in their life has once um, felt some amount of frustration because of um, them being overlooked or somebody else getting an opportunity that they felt they deserved. And I felt like Neville um, won, you know, him becoming healed in the beginning of the year or in the last year was absolutely the best thing that could have happened for him because he has absolutely been the most interesting thing in the cruiserweight division since then. And now, you know, he had to know there was an expiration date in this feud at some point. I mean, he he arguably put Austin Aries out of WWE, which funny because Austin Aries sent him a cryptic tweet about, you know, uh, actually, I'm going to pull that up real quick. But, you know, he had to know that his time was going to come at some point, and you know, it's just, it's just really, it's just really unfortunate for the division in the whole that if this happens to be his departure, that you know we didn't get to see more magic from him than um, that we wanted to see. And another, other good high quality match. He's going to sit here and agree that uh, we felt that Enzo was going to be the savior of this division, and him having that belt was the best thing that could have happened because absolutely trash hated it still do and it seems like if that's going to be the result of uh of neville departing i'm i will go with that but so be it anybody else got any remarks on the neville rumors or anything they want to add about what they um what they've heard about this well let me ask you this then uh since neville hasn't confirmed himself that he's left since wwe hasn't confirmed that he's left uh should he stay or should he go Oh, oh, I think he should stay. Yeah. I think he should stay. Um, in part because where is he going to make that much money? I mean, I, he's, I, I don't think he'll have any trouble finding work and, you know, making a decent living. But where is he going to make WWE level money? Um, I don't know. Um, also, you know, I think a lot of his close friends are in WWE. I, I would be shocked if, you know, Sami Zayn or Kevin Owens haven't reached out to him and tried to, you know, reason with him a little bit. Um, 
And I mean, he has a loyal fan base. There were a lot of people, as we've pointed out, that got behind him during this, you know, King of the Cruiserweights run that he had. Um, it seems like WWE is at least now trying to tinker with the division, right? Bringing Enzo in was, yes, a questionable move, but somehow it has helped up the ratings a little bit, apparently, right? Um, but, you know, maybe a couple months from now, they're going to try something different. At least there seems to be some sort of effort. Now, we can question the quality of the effort, but there's some sort of effort that they're trying to do something different with the division and... Um, if Neville doesn't want to be around for that, he's an adult, he can make that decision, but it, this just seemed very hasty to me. Well, let me ask you this. Is that, necess- is that um, effort or necessity? Because Enzo, you know, we heard about the rumors him, of him backstage. Uh, we've heard about um, Colin Cassidy is out for uh, an unknown period of time with his injury, but their beef uh, is on hiatus right now too. So with that said, they needed to do something with him. He wasn't well-received backstage, so they put him on 205 Live because he had nowhere. The Miz said it best. <laughs> they didn't know what to do with you, so they sent you there. Yeah. It's just true. That's why I said, like, Corey Graves has been infamous on laying the truth on Mike, even though it sounds like he just calling matches, but he is definitely throwing endless shade at, at any opportunity he can. No scenarios tweet basically said, you know, um, and I quote, no when to walk away when everyone in anything doesn't value you self-worth is never determined by others so and that's why i think he should leave um only to the fact is wrestling now has become more of you promote yourself over a company promotes you and i think neville can do something like cody rose did even something like christian cage did back in the day where he was kind of one of the first people to do it when he quit WWE, where you can always make your way back. But if you're not happy to promote yourself the best way you can, just leave, promote yourself, enjoy building your brand up, and then when you're ready to come back, come back. Now, you got somebody like CM Punk that did the same thing, not having a successful run outside of WWE, but he's happy from what he's doing. So, Neville, if, if, if building your own brand is something that you want to do and not let WWE control who you are, leave, and then you can do what you want. Man, for all that, just put him. Just put him in the European. Um, put him in the European uh division so he can work indie shows and still be on the WWE. Let him get some matches with some of those guys. Shoot, there's a lot of people. Matter of fact, a lot of English people have been leaving WWE. When you think about it, like Wade Barrett. Uh, yep. Uh, this would be Neville. Um, Drew McIntyre came back. <laughs> yeah, came back. So he left like, forever ago. Well, I mean, but that's yeah. the thing. I think that's. I think that sometimes you gotta find yourself. And Drew McIntyre is back because he had to go away and and reinvent himself. And then you know they picked it up later. But I would have second uh, what Mr. Silly Silla said because I do think that he should leave because at some point you, you can make a boatload of money and be happy. Yeah. You can also make a boatload of money and be unhappy. Yep. You can also make you know minimum wage and be happy or unhappy. It's all about your worth and what you think that you deserve. And yes. if the money, the money will, you know, he's not going to be broke. The money will come. Now, obviously, he's going to have to adjust his checkbook. And I don't know what his family situation is. But the real, the long and short of it is, is that part of the reasons why the young bucks are in WWE right now 
isn't because of the money. It's because of creative control. It's because of their family and their schedule. It's because they have it set up that they can do what they need to do on their time and not have to report to anybody in Connecticut when it doesn't work or when it does work. Yep. They don't have to be micromanaged by, you know, to the point of um, nausea. So it works for them. Now, not everybody can make that decision. And sometimes you got to go with what you got. But I think Neville has enough of an, uh, an impact, enough of a brand on his own where we can finally get back to seeing the reason why he got uh, uh, invited to the WWE in the first place. Yeah. And honestly, if the sooner we can make Neville and Matt Riddle happen, the better. Yeah, and speaking of the Young Bucks, they, they wasted no time offering him an invitation to the uh, Bullet Club. So well, there's that. Yeah. But, you know, but, <laughs> speaking of the Young Bucks, um, obviously they're trolling happens to be the most interesting thing on Twitter nowadays in the wrestling world. Um, and, and in conjunction with Jimmy Jacobs uh, stepping outside to take a picture with them during the invasion of Raw, uh, what was it, two weeks ago, um, that seemed to have got him into some hot water because apparently Jimmy Jacobs, if you're not familiar with him, is a producer in WWE, um, stepped outside to take a picture with some former friends of his. And there's been speculation that he have, may have been fired. And so um, Jimmy Jacobs obviously gets on Twitter because that's what everybody does nowadays. That's where you get your news from, obviously. And hmm. he noticed that he was trending. So he was like, whoa, did another Jimmy Jacobs die or something? Kind of found out. He found out it was about himself and uh, rumors of him being fired. And he actually went along with it. He pulled the Young Bucks move and said, well, you know, well, if I've been fired, Please purchase my newest shirt at Pro Wrestling Tees, which is absolutely hilarious and funny. And I think that, you know, whenever you start soliciting your stuff outside of WWE, that must be an indication of you being released. So, you know, the Young Bucks has been it's, it's been at uh whatever the word I'm looking for here, but it's been been at toes with uh with, with WWE and you know the cease and desist order that we talked about last week. Um what to make it is first of all i mean is the, i like the young bucks i like being the elite i had to catch up on a lot of episodes it's very creative uh jamal talked about them they're very outside of the the new day the the young bucks is right up there with being able to to, to fascinate fans with their creativity and their mindset um but are they bad for business considering that you work for another promotion or just it period what what's this the, what's this to make of this in in other words what do you mean by bad for business? I mean, because obviously if this led to him being fired and everything that, you know, that affiliates with, with them seems to be a bad thing because it's going to go into our next topic as well because we need to start having and going through them. Affiliating with the Young Bucks, considering that they've been um, issued a cease and desist order by WWE, which seemed to be in a in petty fashion, um, disaffiliating with them, is, is, is this bad for business or... You know what? What is your what is your thoughts on this whole ordeal? Well, that's an interesting that's, question. I think it's WWE just being um, super petty and, and salty that Agreed. the young bucks are um, a, a step ahead of them all the way. I mean, they sent the season to cease order. Being the elite episode where they burn all the two sweet gear comes out like two days later. Um, <laughs> you know, they they get they confirm on Reddit that they get the season to cease. Uh, 18 hours later, we have the um, the too sweet censored version of a new T-shirt. You know, everything that WWE is doing 
where it's like, oh, Jesus, the, uh, you know, come down and, and it's going to smite all the plebs. And the Young Bucks have turned those lemons into a lovely lemon meringue pie. And, and, and it's and lemonade. Some, Get it right. Lemonade. And, and something we talked about before, um, I believe that me and you talked about us, or maybe um, I forget who I was talking to this about. Either um, I'm going to throw a couple of other people out there. It was either me and Jamal talked about this, me and Bro Crockett talked about this, or me and Ed Dow, the gated community, talked about this. About how the WWE sort of say have um, control over other promotions getting um, contracts with Funko Pops. And that's then you know the Young Bucks have been contracted to release their line in 2018, which I'm, I'm sorry, yeah, 2018, which in this case, not TNA, not ROH, not New Japan was able to do so. This has been confirmed also too from Edward Dow, because uh, you know he knows people in high places that the Young Bucks, as as well as the Bullet Club, will be releasing Funko Pops next year. So they are absolutely hmm. defying everything that WWE absolutely do not want to happen. But Jamal, if you can continue uh, your point too. It's basically the Daniel Bryan story all over again. Um, yep. you know, the hashtag us versus them uh, is trending because of the Young Bucks. Uh, the new merch that they have for just this out of spite um, is, you know, is selling out from pro wrestling tees. Um, and it is kind of the same reason uh, you know, Steve Austin got over for the same thing. He's the guy, the one single guy versus the entire corporation, as it was called at the time. Daniel Bryan had to fight the authority. And and it was a, a, those storylines, but it is uh, echoing how people really feel. And now that we have an actual real-life storyline where uh, you know, WWE, the Big Bad Wolf, is coming after these uh, you know little guys, um, you know, giving cease and desist orders out like candy on Halloween, yeah, Will Ospreay has one, um, and I think they're going after Kellogg's in the UK for unicorn cereal. Um, <laughs> oh, my like oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! So that may be something that's going to happen soon. If you're Kellogg's, uh, you might want to uh, re- rethink that. So, but the point is, is that everything <laughs> that they do and everything they think they're doing, it's a community. You know, we're all in this together. Yeah. And for WWE to, you know, to just be the biggest bully on the block and, and just take their ball and go home is, is honestly kind of ridiculous. Starcade is coming up. They've had the, they've been tweeting Matt Hardy, the Young Bucks, and the Rhodes Brothers as a, as a potential dream match. And I can honestly say that would be a dream match. People would lose their damn minds over it. But we know it's not because we know it's not going to happen. Because we know that there's lawyers and all that BS in, at play. Uh, wrestling's supposed to be fun. Um, it is fun to a, to an extent, but when you see stuff like this, when you bring the lawyers into it, then it's just like, us. what are you doing? Well, I mean, shout out to the. I just wonder what. No, Sorry. no, I was going to say shout out to the Young Bucks for being able to stay way above water, even though they keep getting big boulders thrown at them. They're still making this absolutely fun, enjoyable, and they're having a hell of a time doing it. Go ahead. Well, I just, I just wonder what. This feels like a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation, um, to be honest. Uh, personally, I've never been a fan of the Young Bucks. Uh, I'll just put that out there. I, I, I just don't like them. But anyway, uh, with WWE, um, to me, it seems like, well, there's two options. You can ignore 
the young bucks and everyone else who has figured out the formula that you know let me antagonize wwe because that will make me popular you can you can ignore that but if you do then there's going to be you know people coming out of the woodwork saying well look at wwe getting punked and not doing anything about it or you can remember that you are a multi-million dollar business and you know try to um, you know, combat that. But it seems either way, WWE is either going to be the big bad wolf or they're going to be um, the corporation that is getting punked. And so I, I mean, I don't, I don't see a, a win, a winning situation for uh, WWE. I mean, yes, we can argue that it's making wrestling fun. Um, I don't know if I would try to prove, you know, defend that argument, but I can see why people would think that. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it, again, this is another thing that sort of boggles my mind, like the Jimmy Jacobs situation. Um, you knew what you were signing up for when you signed a contract with WWE. You knew you were going to get micromanaged. You knew that you were going to have people breathing down your back. So why in any way it would be shocking to you that someone is upset when you go outside the arena and take pictures during Monday Night Raw is beyond me. But again, that's just, I guess, my way of thinking. Well, go ahead and fair, get that new unprofessional shirt at uh, Pro Wrestling Tees because obviously uh, that's going to be the next trend in <laughs> uh, purchase in, in their store. Apparently. <laughs> to be fair, though, the invasion happened before Raw um, in Ontario, California. Not during the show, I believe, and there was a Young Bucks meetup at the mall in Ontario Mills, which is like across the parking lot from the arena. So they mm. set that up as people were going in closer to like four o'clock local time for the five o'clock show. And while people were waiting in line to get into the building, that's when they did their entire thing and then left after everybody went in. So I, I do think that WWE, if they really want to save face, put it on television, make this an actual storyline. <laughs> Oh, they don't have the balls to do that. I, I would it would be insane if Vince McMahon opened up Raw, but like just the cold open, and addressed this. Not necessarily by name, not calling them out or putting their faces on TV. Well, I can't. But like, however they do, and I'm not smart enough to write this. No, 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 no. You are smart. You're just not thinking. You are very smart. If they absolutely took them on, like, you know, head on as a storyline, because... What happened when WCW was invaded in Norfolk in, in like 20 years ago? That was a storyline. That, that was a storyline that played on the television. The end of WCW. I cried because Shane McMahon showed up on my TNT. Yeah. It doesn't make sense anymore. And shout out to my man Bobby the Brain Heenan too. You know, that he he embraced the moments again. One of the best commentary teams of all time when it was happening and no cut card, straight up. Right. And I'm just saying that for my money, the most shocking thing that can happen is the unexpected, and it would be a small Christmas miracle. As Vince McMahon came out there, as, as Vince McMahon, in character and everything, and said, if you're too sweet, you're fired, or whatever the case is. So I mean, maybe not, maybe not Vince, maybe Triple H or somebody like that. Yeah. But that's no, no, no. Thing. But the, the, the fact of the matter is... You are brushing on the point and the next topic because you, somehow, some way, Vince needs to address this. I don't know how. I don't know who. Well, I know who. His absolute cash cow, Roman Reigns. Now, again, if you have not heard this interview, 
Um, Roman Reigns did an interview, a, a, a very unprecarious interview, because he really doesn't do interviews. And the fact that he 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 did this interview is just it's kind of mind blowing because of the fact of the tone of it, and the fact that he let his guy Roman Reigns do it. Um, he's not good on mic. There's no confidence in that inside of uh, inside of shows, inside of feuds. Period. So you're going to give him a, a, a open. You're going to allow him to have an open platform to 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 do a show or a podcast to make remarks about the state of the business. Um, he started out the show um, praising Braun Strowman in all good faith, no problems there. But he immediately went to remarks about how people like Bray Wyatt need to be Bray Wyatt. Um, who else he name dropped? Uh, who else well, he named? I have, I have the actual quote in front of me. Go for it. Go for uh, it. Dude. He said, "That's what we need: guys who can." And no offense to any of these guys, we don't need guys running around doing too sweet, and we don't need guys acting like they're DX from 15 years ago. We need original characters, guys who are them. I need Seth Rollins to be Seth Rollins. I need Kevin Owens to be Kevin Owens. I need Bray Wyatt to be Bray Wyatt. We need original superstars who have no clue what was done 15, 20 years ago, and no disrespect to our history or our path, but we're trying to create something new here. The hypocrisy of those of those statements is confounding. That is an assassin move where the king sent his pawn to say, I need you to take out somebody for me, or at least uh initiate this war of some sort i mean by all means everything you said earlier this this was absolutely an assignment sent by vince mcmahon himself and nobody Hmm. can tell me different to make these remarks sounds like him you know why i don't think so because roman is the guy that should be speaking for anyone ever now and also roman doesn't have the history himself to say what somebody should or should not do. What is he basing that on? I got you, but if, equally, if, if your boss told you that you were the man <laughs> and he said, like, he basically gave you all the motivation and pats on the back to go do so, that could only make you feel that confident in order to make the remarks of such you made. I mean, without even talking about the two sweets and references to the Young Bucks, he pretty much dissed a lot of people that you're not even thinking about here. Because, I mean, you're talking about Finn Balor here, who isn't quite the original character and does two sweets, and Luke Gallows and, and Carl Anderson, who does two sweets. Um, so, oh, and AJ Styles. I forgot about that guy because he does two sweets too. Uh, so, I still think that the main point is with Roman Reigns and, and there lies the problem is – how could he say that we need original characters when he's the fourth iteration of Hulk Hogan? He made it very clear that he was not an iteration of John Cena. Exactly why he said he said that on mic, even though that that might have been spoon fed. You know why he had to say that? Because people absolutely think that's the case. I mean, it's, it's obviously from Vince McMahon and making it seem like the case. He's following the same book, book uh, recipe. Right. Right. I mean, just by that comment and statement alone, it, it just varies to me and it baffles me at the same time because I, honestly, when it comes down to it, it's not about, and you kind of alluded to this, Jamal, it, it's not about what the wrestlers are doing. It's what your boss tells you to do, what you can build off of that. 
Like you have a recipe, your boss tells you to do something, but you have your own right to tweak it and modify it. You hear it so many times from wrestlers saying, well, yeah, we're, you got to, you know, be out there, be bold, try to make a statement, do something beyond just what you're scripted to do. But who's going to be that person to do it and not be afraid? I mean, that's what Talking Smack was all about to me. And Raw yeah. Talk. Those, I, that, those were the platforms to do that. And, and, and it sounds easy because a lot of people need to re reinvent and invest in themselves, but it's not being done. But, but here's the thing, though. If that's, you can take that statement that Roman Reigns made, but The Miz needs to make that statement. Yes. Because, number yeah. one, why, why is like a face trying to bury other guys? Bray Wyatt needs to bury Bray Wyatt. They don't know who Bray Wyatt is. When he came in, he was like this cult leader <laughs> from Deliverance, and now he's like the shapeshifter, like, you know, voodoo candy man. What the hell is going on there? I mean, look, I mean, there's no explaining this besides Vince McMahon telling his guy, I need you to uh, I need you to make a hit for me here. That's all that is, dude. You know it. You couldn't find another Roman Reigns interview out there if you want it. I, I don't want. That's why I didn't find it. <laughs> and, if you got any remarks on this, I want to get ready to uh, get ready to get ready to end up closing this show. Uh, no, I, I, I think I. Uh you guys said this uh, was a questionable move but uh the, yeah this sounds to me like you all suggested that um vince speaking through roman reigns and yeah. i guess if you're the top guy that's what's going to happen yep i guess the passing of the torches is really as it gets now because this is definitely a spot for john cena and it seems more john cena ish when you think about it in the first place but it's i, I absolutely feel like um Vince McMahon was working through uh, Roman Reigns on this matter. Speaking of Roman Reigns, um, this is not a topic, but the Shield did reunite. I mean, that happened. They got new shirts. All this is back to this is it's all the rumors and everything for it to have happened. It has has happened. I mean, do is there any investment in this? Are we excited? Is anybody no. a fanboy for this right now? No, I passed out from the boredom just now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so yeah, Chill's back versus the Miz, the Miz Taraj. I'm sorry, um, the bar and what? Braun Strowman. What the hell is the bar? Oh, that's uh, Cesaro and Sheamus, the bar. Oh, God. Um, but uh, yeah, so one thing I would just want to say about that quick feud is that, um, a four on three with Braun Strowman being the Braun Strowman he's always been, the most dominating person, um. This should automatically favor the team of four. So pretty much the shield is about to get ready and squash all development of everybody else on that other side, especially Braun Strowman. I think he's going to take a hit here considering they don't lose or if he doesn't dominate, considering that the fact he just dominated the most dominant person in WWE and Brock Lesnar. I'm just very, very, very strange about him being inserted into that match uh, of that sort. I would have loved to see the shield versus Braun Strowman three versus one. That could have been intriguing, but whatever. Um, we talked about this a little bit earlier um, about uh, heel turns and face turns and just repackaging. I mean, we've seen – it looks like that we were about to get the return of uh, Eric Rowan and Luke Harper. Uh, um, we got uh, – yeah. We got um, Sami Zayn turning heel, and I forgot who else – something else. Nonetheless, though, um, with all that happening right now, I mean, did they are, are they getting this right finally? Um, I don't. 
I don't I mean, know about getting it right, thing, obviously, but you know, I I don't know about getting it right, but just going back a little bit with the Sami Zayn and with the Miz, you know, being part of his this feud against the Shield. This is a time where WWE has to let the bad guy win. And sometimes, like you said, the development doesn't happen for some of these characters because the bad guy never wins. And it's terrible that it happens like that. Yeah. Yeah, I've said it before, and I think that it should have been Sammy versus Jinder Mahal uh, going forward because Sammy has the exact same uh, story as Jinder Mahal, but just as a good guy. And I think that would have been interesting for him to to take on that uh, role. But since they didn't do that, they did the opposite of that and put him back with Kevin Owens for reasons. Um, and it just means it, it's obviously the most talked about thing that they have right now. So uh, they just have to you know, go with it and, and see what's what. You know, that's a definite tag team there. That's a definite, um, you know, championship match, you know, waiting to happen. Um, and, of course, we've seen Jericho and Owens, and that was a thing that went well for a while. So maybe it's Sammy to get his comeuppance. Maybe he plays Kevin Owens, and that sets up a WrestleMania match uh, between the two. Um, maybe Kevin gets powerbombed on the ring apron. Uh, here, that's the hardest part of the ring. Um, so there's a lot of what-ifs, uh, and that's good. We don't know which way this is going to go, and that's uh, the, probably the best possible outcome out of this. Well, speaking of heel and face turns, I am very much looking forward to when WWE drops this face Bobby Roode thing. Oh, my God. Me too. Uh, because it's it's clearly not working. And um, I think, or maybe it was just me. It seemed like Bobby Roode forgot his lines on SmackDown. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Report. <laughs> you're right. Yeah, because uh, that was awkward. And uh, it's just, I mean, obviously Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler are excellent wrestlers, but they, they don't have any chemistry. They don't mesh well. Nope. And, um, yeah, Bobby at Roode as a face just doesn't work. Nope. Not at all. Well, they're the same character. So that's part of the problem. <laughs> True. Um, and, and, and my last, um, bit of, uh, on topics, um, I reposted it on all our uh, social media platforms, but the Mike Canellas video um, that was posted to the WWE YouTube channel about his addiction and, and the recovery and basically his rebirth of, of who he is. Definitely a heartfelt story. I think everybody should take a chance to look at it. Um, I am. I think it's very. Um, I think it's very un WWE ish to sort of um, allow such a story like this to be publicized on the YouTube page, considering that he um, is very much open about his addiction to pain medicines. And, you know, that's really, that's really uh, looked down upon in, in society and not only in, in, in sports period. But um, I think that Kurt Angle return um, was, was, you know, the cracking of the door. And now um, Mike Canellis definitely sheds a lot of light into it as well. Um, him and his wife is suspected the baby, and um, it just—it's just a really heartfelt um, seven-minute documentary to look at about him. So, um, just wonder if any of you guys got a chance to see that, and um, just anything that you got, you can take away from it, or or like to say something about it. Uh, I'm not. Su- oh, go ahead. No, 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 no. Good, you go. You go. Uh, I'm not surprised. It's a thing. Um, they did a, a thing on Alexa Bliss where she talked about her um, anorexia and yep. her eating disorder sure. that you know, put her in the hospital. Um, they did a couple like interpersonal things. I think they did a thing with the Miz and um, you know, his relationship and stuff like that. So um, it, it's good that they're uh, pulling back the curtain and, and seeing what's yeah. what. They talk about Kurt Angle 
and his um, you know painkillers and, and um, you know drinking and stuff like that. So you know they they pick and choose the narratives that they want to portray because if if that's the case, yeah, they love these redemption stories, but they don't want to talk about the Ultimate Warrior. They love these, um, you know, your redemption stories, but they don't want to really talk about how why Eddie Guerrero died. Yep. Um, you know, they, they, you know, they love so they'll talk about Paige, you know, this time next year, and you know, whatever, and make her go through the ringer as well. But they won't talk about China at all. So, I understand the sentiment, and if anybody that feels that they should watch this story, then do so. If it speaks to you, then great. But again. It's swimming in hypocrisy when they won't mention Chris Benoit, but then they'll put Mike Bennett out there and so that he can talk about his story. And again, if the ends justify the means and it, and it hits you in a special place, then great. But it's kind of BS that, you know, we can't say Chris Benoit on TV anymore. Uh, I watched the documentary or the, the interview and I thought it was great um, to, to Chains' point. Um, it, it was just very raw and one of the reasons it was great is also because Maria got to be a part of it and just hearing sort of her perspective on, you know, being married to him and, and not knowing, but sort of suspecting that something was not right. Um, and just hearing how she had no doubts about sticking by him. I thought that was, that was a great story. Um, also Indeed. getting, getting to see Renee Young back in that sort of unfiltered light role yep. um, sort of spoke to why I think she's so valuable to this company uh, and I, I wish, maybe not unfiltered, but I wish they would do more sort of slice of life interviews with Renee because I think she's great at bringing um, those stories to life. Agree. Yeah, I think people forget that Renee Young comes from you know a, a journalism background. She used to do uh, up in Canada the ESPN equivalent to like uh, Sports Center. But just uh, talking about wrestling and sports, so she can definitely uh, bring a journalistic integrity to the to the role. But unfortunately, and, we, and that's Sean during talking smack. You know, he was definitely one of the better parts of that uh, experience. Indeed. Um, Sally, you have something you want to add there? Yeah, I, I actually, Jamal took it right out my mouth of what I was going to say. You know, it's a great, great story for that to happen but then again you still had those other stories that we cannot name and it's unfortunate that even though this is a great story let's bring the realism to everything that's going on out there because all these situations may happen and just going back to the Chris Benoit one since um since Jamal said it when you have the issues of what happened to Las Vegas or you know or Orlando all of these are the similar situations where it's not just impacting your personal family it's impacting a lot of people but I think it's the same type of situations where if somebody's story is being told and not hidden, we can help them out. So let's say if Chris Benoit's story was really told, maybe somebody can help out the person that felt the way they did in Orlando, felt the way they did in Vegas. And I'm not trying to say it would make a difference, but it's the similar situations where we can try to eliminate some of these violences or, or violent uh, settings or violent situations just to try to make it a better place if we just open it up and be transparent about it. I mean, by all means, if you have a platform, a YouTube channel with a zillion followers or just anything that comes on TV each week, if you have an opportunity to help somebody, um, just do so. That's Unless you're the NFL, then don't do that. Well, yeah. Take a knee on it. Indeed. Um, anyway, but you know, 
get into the um end of the show. Um, but we can't end the show without our favorite segment. So, Mister John Crab himself, sir. Okay. Uh, three things for do we care this week? Um, the first thing is, uh, will you be subscribing to GWN? <laughs> uh, do we care about what that is? <laughs> Not G- at all. GWN. <laughs> yeah, that is a heck no. <laughs> all right then, let's move on. Um, treat. Jesus Christ. Well, you want to Google that, bro? Okay. Hey, when, um, I read right the, when I read the caption of it, it said the lonely anticipated. I said about to who? <laughs> everyone, everyone <laughs> in that warehouse in Nashville that the carryout that they were operate out of is anticipated GWN. But you know, whatever. That's just different. I, I, will, I will say this though, on the on the lines of Global Force, I've heard that they're getting ready to start marketing in bigger wrestling cities, Chicago, New York. They're in Iowa next month. Say, say that again. They're in Ottawa next month for Bound for Glory. Hey, that's what they need to do. Yep. Get the heck out of Orlando or wherever they are in Tennessee. Get to some of these bigger, um, some of these bigger cities and do and do it that way. Yep. New a New York for a Global Force show. I may do that. Absolutely may do that. But you you didn't in August when they were there at the baseball stadium. They were in New York for three straight nights and um Global Force was. Oh. Next, next topic. Oops. <laughs> um, <laughs> I didn't even know. I didn't even <laughs> know they were still a thing that last year. I mean, what, what was that Global Force or was that, that Impact? Was, that, yeah, it was. Uh, no, it was well. Or, or Hootie, Hootie Anthem. It, it, it was Hootie and the um and, and the EC3. They were up there. Too. <laughs> um, God bless that damn owl. Um, Titus O'Neil. Uh, he he um has a lawsuit against him. Uh, there's an update to what do we care? I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um, uh, 1.2 million dollars in damages. What the hell did Tyus O'Neill do, where the defendant or the uh, plaintiff is seeking 1.2 million dollars in damages? Uh, this stems from the incident in which Titus uh, did not uh, react appropriately to swerved. Uh, the show where he was uh, pranked, and everybody had a good laugh except Titus, who, you know, afterwards allegedly uh, started to wail on the cameraman. Um, the guy's name, uh, the cameraman, is I don't know. Um, I don't have his name on here, but yeah, but so the dude, uh, the cameraman, sues for one point two million dollars, and it's a, like uh, a, a big lawsuit that names. Uh, Titus plus 300 John Doe's as defendants. Now, <laughs> WWE is actually being named in this suit, and it's being uh, repackaged, I guess. Um, so the guy is suing each defendant for battery, assault, willful misconduct, negligence, gross negligence, intentional infliction of emotional distress, negligent infliction of emotional distress, and claimed that he has not been able to work for six months due to injuries and has faced medical bills in excess of $150,000. So, yeah. Oh, Donald Anderson is his name. He must have Googled how to be a lawyer or how to fill out a lawsuit and put down every single thing he saw pop up. Well, um, uh, Titus uh, tried to get the case thrown out in court. The judge said, nah, bro. 
And um, that's going to go forward. And of course, WWE is now named in the suit officially. Wow. So it's going to be um, interesting. He is going to, um, uh, the, the file was claimed in, La- in California, in Los Angeles. Uh, Titus tried to get the case moved to either Florida um, or the state of Virginia, where the alleged incident took place. They probably filled something after, like a RAW or whatever, and um, and that's the thing. But and because the 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 law out there in Los Angeles uh, involving you know, celebrities is kind of, you know, it could be a bit tougher uh, to get things done. So it'll be interesting to see what happens, and it'll be interesting to see if. Uh, you know, with, whether or not this guy is getting called out for a BS. But Titus Brand, uh, worldwide, they're going to need to come up with some awesome Maybe going big sooner than later. I mean, Titus Brand. Florida, local Florida. Cancel. <laughs> yeah, cancel. <laughs> um, oh, Lord. So, um, the last thing is about Carmelo and James Ellsworth. Um, we all know that they're a thing. But I didn't know how they became a thing until now. Uh, wait, 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 yeah. wait, 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 wait. They're a real couple? No, sir. No. Oh, okay. Never mind, TV. Her, her and Colin <laughs> Cassidy just purchased that's the that's house that's together. That is yeah. cool. <laughs> K-fa- yeah, that- hey, hey, k I hate it. I And I quote, um, oh, my God, his name just slipped my head. Uh, Joey, Joey Ryan, he hates k fade. But and, and also James Ellsworth is like married with two kids in Maryland, so yeah. I was about to say I thought she was still with Big Cat. Okay, never mind. Just uh, cut me off. Yes, I do. Carmella care. may be a Baltimore fifty, so whatever James Ellsworth has a Baltimore fifty, you're insane. <laughs> Don't do that to Baltimore. Don't you dare do that to Baltimore. Anywho, so so okay, so let's let's go with this. Um, apparently, um, James Ellsworth was on Jerry King Lawless podcast. Dinner with the king, and he said um, that Carmella actually broached the idea. She went straight to Vince and said, "Hey, um, after he's done with Dean and AJ, we should be a thing. Um, I can kind of run him around, you know, treat him like my little lapdog, and he can kind of help me, um, you know, work my way up to get the title, and maybe even, as we've seen him do, win it for me." And Vince was like, "Yeah, I like it." Let's go with it. So the next thing you know, that's what uh, history is, what it is. And I think that's pretty cool that it was actually Carmella's idea, uh, seeing what it was and making something out of it. And that's, you know, uh, like it or not, that's that's actually pretty cool going forward. And I still don't um, blame them with that decision they did the first time at the Money Bank. I actually kind of liked it. It's, it's dope. Yeah. It's dope. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, the so money in the bank. Her. The money in the bank thing. I, I gotta think about that again. But um, no, nah, the yeah. money in the bank. The money in the bank. I, the way the match fell out, like yeah, the first one. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't agree with that. But I do. I do like what Carmella did here. This is another instance of recreating yourself. And you know, James Ellsworth was way overly popular at the moment. But I mean, nobody was more popular than James Ellsworth than um um uh, what's his name? I got kids. Those were the two hottest people at the time. Yeah. I agree. Do what you got to do. So that's it for Do We Care. Cool. How many closing remarks from anybody? Um, um, not for me. Yep. I just bought tickets to Capital Wrestling, um, like just now. And I will see uh, Bo, and um, I'll see Logan, and I'll see a lot of other good guys up there. 
Unfortunately, Ken Dixon's on the show, so. Hmm. But uh, yeah, that's gonna be a good time. Yeah, Hoboken, New Jersey, uh, starts at eight. Special shout out to Matt Ryan of Capital Wrestling. Uh, he's been on our podcast in the in the past and beyond that. Uh, he's a good, great guy working really hard for his promotion. Um, definitely give a, um, definitely go give them. Uh, what am, what am I trying to say? Definitely go check out their Twitter page and check out all the things they got going on. If you're not local to the New Jersey, New York area, um, they are they have streaming uh, services. Uh, I forget with who. I think it's uh, Mad Men of. Uh, well, it's, it's Bischoff's thing, but I think it's like GFW yeah. TV. Right, right. Um, yeah, yeah ca- at Capital Wrestling. Yeah. Uh, wrestling without the G. Yeah. Uh, Nine characters. Yeah, you can um, you know follow them there. Uh, yeah. Tickets are twenty bucks plus tax, and then yeah. they have uh, VIP packages that include like a front row seat and a T-shirt. Yeah. Um, stuff like that. So you know they got a lot of good things going on. Yeah. And also, yeah. Uh, peep that menu. Because I'm definitely coming hungry. So <laughs> that's what happened. Yeah. And uh Caitlin can make it for, make it with us this week. She's in Buffalo. Um at RH's Global Wars. So uh check out all her um pictures and stuff she's posting on her Twitter page of uh everything that's going on. Looks like a good time. So but anywho, um be sure to you know continue Checking us out Thursdays, 8 p.m. You know, we're on SoundCloud, Facebook, Twitter, all that other good stuff, YouTube. And Jordan Grace will be here October 19th for an exclusive interview uh, with us as we prepare for um, the next Nova Pro show, which is the Pumpkin Spice Lariats. Um, let's hope that uh, in the in the eye of cease and desist that Starbucks do not get involved here because <laughs> uh, their logo is absolutely dope. But um, yeah. If you know where I'm going with that, yeah. Don't give me so, any anywho. <laughs> so anyway, I'm um, uh, sign off, and I'll uh, be sure to check us out next week. Thanks for tuning in.